When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, getting rolling. Big morning for Nebraska football as they have their first scrimmage of the fall. Slated to get Ooh. going. Some movers and shakers to maybe solidify to distance or to make some of the position coaches rethink. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's been going on with camp uh, up to this point. Uh, we had uh, a great uh, chat yesterday with Coach Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network. He's been out camping. There's a joke somewhere in there about camping that Rick Barnes once told somebody. We'll leave that one be. But the long and short, Cranach, is DiNardo's seen – Nebraska, you know, their seventh practice when he was on site Thursday. And he has seen Northwestern when they were just done with with their practice. Uh, And it'll be good insight. It was a good good chance to get caught up with him. In hour two, Brandon Vogel will be with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor. Get his thoughts on uh, where the Big Red's at. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, will join us. So you can jump in. Dial us up if you so choose. 466-3776-800-825-5865. can also find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal on Twitter. And uh, email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. The uh, radio show Twitter handle is at HVarsityRadio. Did I get that right? Nailed you got it. that right. Cranach, good to be with you, bud. Uh, how long has it been? It, it, it feels feels quite a while. Yeah, well, it's one of the I, – I, you know, I, I dial in via one of these video chat services. There are several. I'm not going to mention the one because mm. – you know that, that they don't pass um and according to that it was july 23rd was the last time i used wow. it today being the sixth thank you youth sports i mean that's primarily no, I the reason totally get it we're we're yeah. uh, both on the same page there but uh we aren't airing uh this morning's show we may do that for brandon vogel at eight o'clock on Streamyard which you usually find on ESPN, Lincoln's Twitter handle, or Facebook. Uh, just not feeling it this segment. But Cranach's in his home office. He's got the big red end uh, behind his right shoulder. 
and uh, rocking the Braves hat. Elijah's chained to the studio. I'm from from home. Elijah and I had a chance to go to the uh, Hale Varsity Club last night, and we'll be there. Oh, you were there Fridays. last night too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We were we were there leading. We'll be there leading up till uh, we you and me, Cranach, depart for Dublin, and. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you got to be if you're in Omaha or you want to just take a little roadie from Lincoln up to Omaha and uh, see us four to six. Great happy hour. I had this Cubana sandwich that is mm. a normal Cuban that, that had your, your cheese, your mustard, your pickle, and your yeah. ham, but it also had short rib. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right. Nobody thought of that before. And by the way, can we just stop and, and witness the empire that the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year has built for himself? He now has a restaurant and bar in La Vista. Uh, he's got a, you know, the show has moved to, to 590 in Omaha weekdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Um, I mean, what is next? It's just, I mean, it's kind of your world. We're living in it. It's good to be in it. It's going to be like called it. Schmidt and Cranach locked up abroad in Dublin. We're going to have to be <laughs> sending a rescue flare. to wouldn't right now. Stop that. We're going to have to send a rescue. they did to Brittany? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to send a rescue flare to, to to Biden or or whoever. <laughs> Pete, <laughs> can you help us out? <laughs> We're really Cub fans, I promise. Uh, despite uh, Crane X Atlanta hat, we, we need out of here now. Those aren't mine. I don't know how they got there. <laughs> there dude, three weeks from today, three weeks from today, that's going to be happening. Mary I mean, Cobbler, it, you and me. Yeah, a place called the Mary Cobbler, which is, I mean, that's the most Irish AF thing ever. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to come up with a name, right, of a pub, mm-hmm. ah, the Mary Cobbler, that, that sounds like, I don't know what kind of accent that was. we got to work on our Irish accent as well. That's very difficult to pull off. <laughs> yeah, that the one have needed Orleans. to do that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the New Orleans accent and the Irish accent are just like, forget it. Like, how, how do you even... Like, what is the New Orleans one, by the way? Not to sidetrack here, but let's sidetrack significantly. I mean, that's like New York Southern and like French all in one. And you're, how do you A little even, bit. It's not easy. Yeah, it comes out easy. sudden just like Brian Kelly, too. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just incredible. Right, that's how you do it. Yeah. My family. My, my family. family. <laughs> I do up. declare. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> have we not reached the time, by the way? I mean, this happens all the time when, when you have a, a, a role like this and you you do uh, Husker talk for some part of your living. <laughs> you get these questions all the time. What's your prediction? What do you think? Yeah. What's going to happen this year with the squad? And I'm sitting here. You're like, OK, it's always hard to do it because we're so close to it. Right. And we follow it all the time. There's a little bit of buy it like you don't really, you know, so so that in and of itself makes it a little difficult. But. People are seriously asking you to know, hey, how is it going to work out with an offensive coordinator from Pitt, a quarterback from Texas, a top receiver from LSU, and a JUCO running back? How's that going to go? You're like, I don't know. The odds are not very good, but if it does happen, great. I mean, honestly, we we left out that. We left out. How's it going to also work with a surgically surgically repaired knee to your best offensive lineman who started one game, and, and, and another an guy, line coach that's just playing. You know, it's his first ever 
head job for that role. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think from a drilling standpoint, Riola's experience is going to be detrimental. I mean, well, I, I think I don't I mean, he'll he'll get the guys ready. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you got you got Corcoran and, and Teddy that you're wondering about. And can the offensive line figure it out? Because that is so it's so monster uh, for for this season. But really think about that. Like, just, you know, we oh, all you just, know. You just laid stats. it out. Give me a reason. Why can't they win eight, Cranach? Why can't they get nine? Why can't they get six? Six is horrible. I mean, and, and what you just laid out there, this is, um, this is, this is an interesting uh, mold job that needs to happen quickly. And you're grabbing from everywhere. You mentioned the different accents. You're grabbing from all parts of the world here in the college football world. I, I mean, really, like we all know these facts individually, but things are emerging to a point to where you can kind of see like it's probably going to be Casey Thompson starting. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Trey Palmer is going to be one of the top targets. So that's Texas and that's LSU right there last mm-hmm. year. <laughs> right. Running back guy that was at Florida State, then at Juco. Anthony Grant appears to be the front runner. Got Mark Whipple, who was at Pitt last year. Like, the chances of that all melding together beautifully (laughs) from the get-go across the ocean, for crying out loud, in week one against, look, they weren't the best last year, but history would tell you that Pat Fitzgerald's defense is going to be pretty good. History would tell you that. Don't know if that'll be the case this year because they were bad last year. But I'm sure that pissed them off, and I'm sure they fixed some things. The chances of all that working well aren't good. Like, they're just not. That's that. Not saying it's impossible. Could happen. Michigan State kind of did the same thing last year. They fused together a lot of disparate parts and turned it into something good. But... This developmental program, which I think we all agree Nebraska kind of has to be, is like this developmental program. Yep. This year they're not. They're a team of mercenaries. That's well, what's you got, up, you, man. You got to you like, got to you got to develop the the folks that have been hired quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we hear from Frost yesterday, it it sounds like. The guys that w- were here have connected well with with the new hires, and I'm sorry, new hires, but you know NIL, <laughs> and the, the 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 new hires are respecting the the territory slash wise words of how it's been here. Sounds like sure. that's going okay, and that's not always the case when you when you have new and old trying to mix. We probably wouldn't hear differently though. No, I understand that. But if he's if probably, he's going, probably, you probably wouldn't hear. Well, actually, they Sean hate each and other. Garrett aren't getting along really well, and, uh, and that's not yeah, the case. But yeah, right. if he if he's willing to tell me five minutes earlier, it's Whip's show. Then all right, maybe that's a, a good precursor of of an honest sit down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, hey, it's but Whip's what, show. Hey, it's Casey's job to lose. By the way, the young and the old, they're, they're melding well. I mean, the, the way I look at it is 
I really think it's a boom or bust type year. I don't know if you're going to have an in-between mediocre year. And I only, I'm only saying that from like a, a team chemistry and like motivational standpoint, right? So like mm-hmm. imagine they do perform well because those individual parts have talent and skill. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Um, Anthony Grant looks good, right? Palmer can fly. Casey Thompson's got experience, plus he's got, you know, the bloodlines, all those things. Whipple's been there, done that, right? Like, so you got guys that, these aren't chumps. <laughs> Nobody's saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but putting it all together is a different story. So, like, if you if you get to, say, mid-October, and you're, like, 6-2, and two, something like that, right? Or you're a 5-3, and three even. Like, if you're, if you're, like, a respectable record at that point, um, you could probably keep it together, right? You could probably keep it together, and I bet you guys will be rowing in the same direction, and like team chemistry will be solid. But if you if you're like middling, if you're four and four, if you're a three and four, ooh, that, I mean that thing could tailspin in a hurry. I, I just think that's the kind of year you're looking at. You're looking at probably a boom or a bust. I, I don't think it's going to be a mediocre year, no matter what, because if I, the, if things aren't working out. This team of mercenaries is not likely to, you know, batten down the hatches with one another and count on all the trust they've built over the years because they haven't. <laughs> We've been here for a few months. Yeah. Right. And, and and that's that's the case where and maybe just a few have been here for a few months. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be up to Garrett Nelson. Uh, it, it's going to be up to uh, a Trent Hickson. All right, and it's going to be up to a Newsom and a Farmer, and absolutely for sure those two inside backers, Henrich yep. and Reimer, to yeah. to whether it's hurricane season or it's it's the best weather you've ever you've ever seen. It's up to those guys to make sure it it is like vacation versus you're you're going into a storm and. I'm I'm not sure that you're off. I mean, I think that that boomer bust take is is very fair. Now, I think the the optics of what happens on Saturday, if you just get beat by someone making a play, think about think about that. Think about sooner magic. God forbid on a Saturday morning if you're hungover. But a lot of times, oh, you just make a play. Pretty even ball game. Maybe Nebraska was out-talented for the most part. But guess what? Dude, Keith Jackson would make a play. Buster Rhymes would make a play. Elvis bleeping Peacock would make a pay, play. And you're just like, these guys are going to go win the national title. It's 21-17. That's how it shook out. Son yeah. of a beep. And that's not soothing, but okay, you can <laughs> – you can you can accept dying that way on a Saturday mm. because you got beat by a better team or you 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 were right there for it. You weren't fumbling, you weren't giving up punt returns, you weren't throwing picks, you weren't being stupid with a football. That to me that's that's the big thing is how does this thing look? How does six and six look? Is there a world where six and six is acceptable and, and it's clean football? I don't know that you're going to get clean football with six and six, right? Mm-mm. But six and six be, would be cleaner football than you've had in the past because they've had teams that should have been at six or seven in the past. 
So to me, to get that to that uh, seven or eight win number, you're going to see a much, much cleaner football. And it sounds like you will if Bill Bush has anything to say about it. And then it's okay. And then that boom or bust part of your of your thought is more leaning towards boom because people are doing their job. They're executing, and Nebraska's not helping aid the other team like they've done the last five years. To me, it's it's what I think what it looks like is, is going to be a bigger factor for me than, than the number at the end of the year. That, that'll be a, a big key. And that's part of why Frost came back is because the way it looked in general outside of those like fatal errors that would happen once or twice a game mm-hmm. and just destroy everything – uh, well, I mean, that I, seems fixable. If Nebraska played clean football in 2021, I, you'd think their record would be what, at least seven and five, seven and five at, at least. the worst. If they had played yep. clean football, more likely eight and four with all the close losses. Yeah, fixed special teams, right? Like that alone probably gets you to seven and that's five. Two game, that's two games you in know? a year mm-hmm. since 17. Yeah, it, it, look, yeah, that stuff all matters. Here, here's the other big factor, and this is. This is on Frost in particular. So he's going to be at the helm of this ship. There's always pressure as the Nebraska head coach, of course. Um, there's always that pressure. But there is existential pressure on him this year. He knows it. The team knows it. The AD knows it. All the fans know it. Him keeping his cool and not ratcheting up that pressure, having that trickle down. You know, it's, it's, it, this is super intangible psychobabble crap I'm talking about here, but it's real. <laughs> I mean, it's real. Like, that dude is going to have to convey a, a degree of confidence and calmness and, like, everything is going to be okay type demeanor. He's going to have to convey that for that to trickle down, and that's not going to be easy. Right, because no, the dude knows. You got de- you've been asked to delegate, Cranack. Yeah, you, you got to keep the- your calm and cool. And okay, mm-hmm. you call the plays, you run the offense. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, just make sure everyone's got what they need. And <laughs> that's hard, man. That's hard anyway, and it's hard to do in a year. You got to win. Especially, I mean, how often? How often have we seen where I, I honestly can't think of a situation where. The way that contract was structured, and it bears repeating for those that maybe just haven't followed it as closely. Um, but, you know, his buyout, if you're going to fire him, ch- it changes October 1st mm-hmm. in the middle of the season. Right? I, After I, I a mean, buy, like, isn't it? You want to do a we buy? We all know that. Yeah, right? Like, we've seen that. We know that. Mm-hmm. We know that's a fact. But have you heard of that before? I, I, I can't think of another coaching situation where that was the case. I mean, that's as close to an ultimatum as you're ever going to see in the coaching profession where it's like literally mid season, October 1st, Trev could have changed that. Trev could have made that December 1st. He could have made that November 1st. He made it October 1st, which is very clearly saying better look like you have a damn team. The beginning part get of the season. It, get it figured out. This thing's done. Get it figured right? out. Get your hires and rehires and, and new staff Ooh. guys figured out. 
and then get it up and running between summer, fall camp, and show me by October, you know what the hell you're doing. I mean, mid-season. Like, that, that's not an accident. Trev could have oh. very easily said December 1st that saying we are committed to Coach Frost and this and this staff, however he wants to stack it through the end of the year. That's we believe in him. And that he could have said that could have done that instead. Instead, he's like Northwestern, Georgia Southern, North Dakota, Oklahoma. You better show me that you guys got a clue. Right? I mean, that's what he's saying. These these first four or five games, these are not tune up warm up games. These are keep-your-job-audition games. I mean, dude, that's pressure. That is a lot of pressure, right? That's a ton of pressure. And on top of that, you're taking this show to Europe (laughs) to start the year against a guy that's won Big Ten Coach of the Year, what, 48 times? (laughs) I feel like Pat Fitzgerald Mm -hmm. wins that thing like every other year. I, I know he doesn't, but, right? It's, man, it's a lot. It's a lot that they have to, to have to deal with, and Frost has to withstand all of that and still convey confidence to his team and get them in a position to where they can actually perform against all of these odds. And good luck with that. <laughs> hope yeah, it works great, well. great luck with it. I'll, I'll say this, though. It's not going to do you any good to freak out. Mm-mm. And... and start worrying about October 1st no. easier said than done but I think you know it's a, there yeah because I, I think a clean step though is is him yesterday saying it's whip show that that was big was to good. me because it's I don't want to call it an admission but it's it was a public statement of support yeah, <laughs> or or a public statement of acknowledgement that yeah that's it's whip and he's got the offense and my strategy was probably not the best I was probably in the way and 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 it was selfish and that's okay because dude that was your baby that's what made you what you are mm-hmm. from it's what everybody started, wanted yeah well it's from when you started coaching dude did you this yeah. hot shot high flying high score and. Yeah, I'll just I'll be over here. Uh, I'm, it's it's my ass, but you guys go do your thing. I, I trust you. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's the, we hear Trev talk a lot about being uncomfortable. Let, so front and center, man. And then let's. I know we got to get out in a couple minutes here before uh, Jerry Donardo joins us on the rewind. But and then you look at defensively, and I think Chenander has developed a degree of trust with the team, with the program, with the fan base, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, with how they performed last year, uh, but you it's you can't overlook how critically important it was for them to have all of those sixth year guys. Oh, big time! I mean, I mean, you know, what were the hallmarks of that defense last year? It was a stable, smart, tough, in position tough defense. Tough, yeah, right. Like, not a lot of busts last year, right? A couple missed tackles here and there on, on dudes trying to have the highlight shoulder hits mm-hmm. um but other than that pretty sound and that's directly related to having a doman a ben stilly a, a deontay williams a dismute guys that have been here a long time and just had it all figured out you remove those guys from the situation now 
You know, you don't bring back near that amount of experience. Um, so they benefited from that greatly last year. So I think jury's still out to, to a degree on the defense, too. Like, how do you do when you don't have that advantage of all these six-year guys? Well, have you been able – did that six-year allow you to bridge and develop some guys – to, to step in and do the job or are you going to be in trouble from an experience standpoint because you're still not ready i think chin's shown he can develop and get guys ready weekend edition it's hail varsity radio chris schmidt mark cranach elijah herbal quick time out what's coach denardo think of nebraska and northwestern he's seen them both he's seen them both in camp they collide here three weeks from today his thoughts from last night at the hale varsity club we'll rewind next with hale varsity radio pardon the interruption but i'd like to save you some money i'm brandon vogel managing editor of hale varsity and i wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Hour two, we're here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, uh, just between Cabela's and the Embassy Suites. We welcome in the coach. Good to talk with him again, Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network. Uh, at uh, Jerry DiNardo on Twitter is where you find Coach. Coach, uh, you, you packed for camp. You've been to Lincoln, and you were down at Northwestern today. How you doing? We're doing great. You know, we're doing week zero. We go to Illinois tonight and watch their practice tomorrow. Then we head east to Rutgers and do the eastern swing. But uh, we've had two really good stops. Interesting that obviously Nebraska and Northwestern open up together. So it was, and and Nebraska's was practice seven. Northwestern was practice eight. So we've got to see them at the exact time and the exact same time in their schedule. And, uh, it, it, it was a, it was a great way to start the the tour because those two teams open up in, on week zero. Well, we have our bags packed for Ireland and had a chance to to spend some time with Coach Frost after practice today. Big scrimmage for Nebraska tomorrow, Coach. I want to get your take on on week zero and going to Ireland first and foremost. You've been a head coach uh, a number of years in your career. Uh, how how daunting a task is not only week zero, but, but week zero abroad. Yeah, you, you know, as a coach, you always want to try to figure out, uh, you know, what's most important for the team, you know, experience like that. I can remember being in Indiana, and they wanted us to play at Hawaii, and the only reason I turned it down, it was, it was one of the recruiting weekends that we had in Bloomington, and we couldn't, we couldn't waste a weekend to recruit, so I turned it down. You know, I think this is a great opportunity for both teams. But, you know, I have to say, especially after talking to Coach Frost and Coach Fitz and, and watching what was going on, you know, it's post-game that makes the, the trip most difficult. You know, before you, you, you can adjust your clock going, right, and you can figure all that out. But when you come back and Nebraska has a game 
and Northwestern doesn't. By way of example, Fitz is going to give his guys two days off when they get back. I mean, nothing. Just get used to the clock. Whereas Nebraska's got to get ready for North Dakota. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure Scott thought through this and decided it was a good idea, but it's tough duty when they get back. And North Dakota, as we all know, only people, only people that know football know that's a really good team. Joe DiNardo is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And I just want to ask about this trip itself, getting out there to Northwestern. How do you keep the team focused during that time? It's a, it's a long journey out there. You're going to have the jet lag and a lot of fun things to do out in Dublin. But at the end of the day, it's about going and winning a football game. How do you keep a team focused on that task? Well, you know, you don't just do it uh, when you leave. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a big sign right now on Northwestern's practice field that says, you know, Nebraska 22 days, I believe. I believe that's the, the number. Uh, you know, these guys are, are pretty worldly. They're pretty mature. Both these teams have a lot to prove. Both these teams have come off seasons that weren't what they wanted it to be. And I think sometimes, you know, unless you're around these guys a lot, you sell them short. They're pretty mature. They understand how important this game is. They understand how important this season is. They're both trying to rebound from last year. I don't think you have to say much. I think you have to say, hey, when there's something touristy, let's enjoy it. You know, we don't have to walk around without game face. You know, you're allowed to laugh. (laughs) You're allowed to have fun. But... You know, when the time comes and it's the day before the game, you know, we're going to hunker down. We're going to watch a lot of video. We're going to get a lot of rest, and we're going to play like hell uh, game day. Jerry Donardo's with us, Hale Bar City Radio, at Jerry Donardo on Twitter, Big Ten Network, lead analyst. And, of course, you see him uh, with uh, kickoff and uh, the bus tour going on. Coach, what was your takeaway with, with Coach Frost's demeanor? as you had a chance to sit down with him yesterday after practice. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love talking to Coach Scott. I mean, we talked during practice, and I just really always enjoy our conversations. And uh, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And I think I said this on Twitter. You know, I, I never take for granted that these coaches allow us to watch practice. It's a unique opportunity for a unique type of media, which we are. We're, we're, we're actually business partners, and the great majority of our coaches, including Scott, treat us that way, that, that some way we're partners. And there's a lot of trust. You know, we don't say some things that we see that are obviously uh, not known to the public. I, I thought the practice was really good. You know, I compared it to last year's practice, and I, I always couch this opinion because I, didn't, I wasn't overly impressed last year at practice, but who knows? You know, no coach has ever said we've never had a bad practice. You know, it could, it could have been the tired legs. I don't remember when it was. But I do remember after, today, after yesterday's practice, looking at that practice and saying, wow, that was a really good practice. I don't remember feeling the same way a year ago. Now, it was practice number seven for Nebraska. They've got new coaches. There's a lot, a lot of things going on. I think everyone feels a sense of urgency. So my guess is it really was a better practice than last year. But again, who knows what happened last year? They could have had tired legs or it could have been a different day in the, in the week. Coach, let's talk about quarterback play for Nebraska. Coach uh, made it pretty clear that it's Casey Thompson's job to lose, but there's a lot of competition in that quarterback room with Coach Whipple. 
and uh, your impression of, of that quarterback spot for Nebraska moving forward? Yeah, you know, I think this is, you know, tough times when you transfer a quarterback in and he's eligible right away, which is the new college football, right? Because I mm-hmm. think the fans get all excited. They look at his stats and, you know, they maybe expect too much. And so I would say, you know, I thought Casey had a good practice. It was only one practice. But, you know, just like any quarterback, I mean, you look at uh, – you know, Martinez, who left, if you just looked at his numbers, you'd say, wow. But, you know, there were times during a game when some quarterback mistakes cost them a game. So we don't know that part of Casey Thompson. And, you know, I, I say this. I can watch the drills. I'm very well coached. I can watch the team practices. I can watch the emphasis on special teams. But until Nebraska plays, we won't know if they're going to win the close game, which I would expect the first game to be close. And are they going to perform in special teams? And is the quarterback going to be mistake-free or close to mistake-free? Those are the three things that you really can't tell in a practice. But you can tell those are going to be the three things that dictate the success or failure of Nebraska season. Coach, what can you glean from a practice? I mean, you mentioned all these things that you don't know. Is there anything that whenever you go on this tour and you go to the practices, can you, can you get the, the sense from a practice of, you know what, this team is going to be good based on, say, this or this? Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is this is spot on, right? I mean, I've been asked this question a hundred times. I mean, so the first thing you do is you walk around and you try to assess the talent, right? So mm-hmm. I walked around. Uh, you know, I think Nebraska's offensive line. Uh, I think they're fine. I think they're as good as as two thirds of the teams that they're going to play, or they're as good, maybe not better. You know, then obviously you look at the quarterback. You look at Shannon's defense. They've improved every year. You expect them to, to improve again. But to answer your question, big picture-wise, after watching these two teams, and I made this comment today after practice, I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of this game in, in, in Dublin is decided on the last play of the game. So when you, you get a look at the personnel, they're pretty balanced. I'd say maybe... Maybe Northwestern has an edge in the defensive line. Maybe they're equal in the offensive line. They both have somewhat of a question at quarterback. Nebraska has the better defense coming back. Uh, Northwestern really struggled on defense. Northwestern, pretty good run game, pretty good uh, backfield depth, maybe in Nebraska. So you just try to go to each group, evaluate the talent as it's relative. Now, I have to tell you, when we go to Ohio State, it looks like they're playing a different game. I mean, that's how much different their talent is, right? I mean, it's just it is, there's, there's absolutely no comparison. And then you watch the team period and try to see how efficient they can be on offense, defense, and special teams. A few more minutes here. Jerry DiNardo with us, Hale Varsity Radio, live here at the Hale Varsity Club. Coach DiNardo, Big Ten Network, a uh, couple of tours already with Big Ten camp season in Lincoln yesterday, Northwestern uh, this morning. So, Coach, you touched on special teams, and uh, we really like Bill Bush. We've, we've known Bill for a while, and I think his attention to detail on top of his recruiting acumen is, is going to be big for Nebraska. Uh, what, what did you glean from special teams? Because Bill can talk to us after practice and, and, and make it sound great, and, and I, I believe what he says, but – there's there's a renewed emphasis. You and I both know that it's cost Nebraska a lot of ball games. 
based on what you've seen, that, that little grain of salt, do you think it'll be better where it won't be a detriment this year for Nebraska? Yeah, I, I, I feel for sure it'll be better for a couple of reasons. If there's any competitiveness to this team, it has to be better. And, and, I mean, let's face it, I don't know that you can get a scholarship to major college football without being a competitor. I don't think you can coach in an environment like Nebraska that it is so important to everybody in the state where you don't have a competitive edge. So just the fact that you would will it to be better after last year's semi-embarrassment. So that's one reason. I, 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 the, the pure nature of the competitive spirit of somebody that would sign a scholarship with Nebraska. The second thing would be there's a lot of different ways to organize special teams. And, and obviously, when we went to practice, this is one of the things I wanted to find out, right? I wanted to find out about special teams. So I like the way it's organized. There's a lot of different ways, but the way they have it organized is obviously Coach Bush is in charge of it. But then he, he delegates certain positions to the rest of the coaches. So there's only two coaches, I believe, Scott told me, uh, don't hold me to that, but I think it's true that everybody but two coaches are involved with special teams, with Coach Bush being the head coach of the special teams. And that's a really good way, in my opinion, to to break it down. When I was in Colorado, I was in charge of the left guard and the left tackle on the punt team. Now, I'd be darned if I couldn't get those two guys to do something right. And if I couldn't get those two, if I couldn't get two people to do something right on one team, then there was something wrong with me, not the players. And so that's the kind of attention to detail. The other thing is, you know, how much the head coach talks about it. You know, Scott went over to the special teams field when they were doing special teams. So those are kind of, you know, body language type of things, I think, that to me, they, they put the correct emphasis on it. And, you know, I, I just loved what they were doing on special teams and the way they were coaching it. How about Whipple taking over on offense? It's uh, Whipple's show. That's what Scott said. I think it's been hard for Coach Frost to completely walk away from it. Uh, what you're, a, you're an offensive coordinator, Coach. Uh, you know uh, how, how much you love calling plays and putting game plans together. How do you foresee that shaking out? I think Whipple's seen and done it all, and I think he's a really good quarterback tutor. Well, you know, I think it's more difficult now than ever with coordinators as a head coach. Uh, first of all, they're, they're becoming generationally wealthy. And so yeah. sometimes they, they don't think, you know, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. I'll buy, I'll buy another condo on the beach. And, and sometimes the choices are a young guy who wears a visor, thinks he's a genius, stands on the sidelines because his agent told him he has to be on TV, or there's an older guy who wants to run the program, but he's an assistant coach. And so it's really difficult. I, I would say my experience with older coordinators is they bring a great deal of wealth, but it's not their program. It's the head coach's program. And when you get a guy like Phil Parker at Iowa, who, who is, he, I don't think he wants any other job. I don't think he wants to be the head coach at Iowa. And one of the reasons, and that's one of the reasons that makes him great. He's not aspiring to be on the sidelines. He's not aspiring to be a head coach. He's a total great X and O guy who's loyal to Kirk Ferentz. And if Mark Whipple fits that model, well, then they they have a chance to make it work. But again, you know, both of these groups bring a lot of baggage with them: the young genius and the old guy who wants to run the program. 
Coach Jerry Donato is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Coach, I know you can't tell us everything you saw at practice, so I, I want to more dive into to your history as a coach here. With Mark Whipple coming in, installing his offense through the spring, now you're getting into fall camp, trying to put some of the finishing touches on it. I mean, how much of this playbook do you think is going to be open for Nebraska whenever they, they go on the road, get off to Dublin, and uh, play week zero against Northwestern? Is this thing going to be close to a finished product, or is there still going to be work that needs to be done through the first couple weeks of the season? Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was a finished product. And, and, and when you say finished product, it kind, of, it kind of leads you to think, you know, is the whole offense in? I think everyone goes into the first game with, with a finished product of the basics, right? There's going to be plays that they run against Northwestern and Dublin that they will run in their bowl game, Okay. There's going, to be a, there's going to be a core number of plays that will go from game one to, to their last game of the season, and I think, it'll, I think it'll be a bowl game. But in between there, there'll be game plan adjustments, there'll be tweaks, there'll be special plays. Like they may be, you know, they're not going to practice a gadget play when we're there, right, even though we're good partners. You know, it's just that it's not smart, right? So they may, they may put ten trick plays in during camp. Well, obviously, they're not going to run 10 trick plays against Northwestern. And so that's kind of how you do it. The, the finished product is there's a finished core project. How many times do you want the quarterback to run? You know, it's two times a quarter. That's usually what spread coaches want to do. Are you going to run them at all? What's your, what's your red zone philosophy? All those things will be pretty solid going into the first one. And then as they learn more about their personnel, as they manage their injuries, and they manage how much the players can take new input, then the package will grow. And so, it's one of the. It's a great question because it's, it's one of the. It's one of the most difficult and important decisions you make as you implement and let packages grow on both sides of the ball. Now, Eric's got great advantage, right? I asked him yesterday, of all the things that have happened since Coach Frost has been there, the defense has steadily improved. Why? And what he said was, same terminology, basically the same scheme. We've done the same things over and over again. And that's what Iowa does on defense. Nothing, not a lot has changed about the Iowa defense. And it's one of the best defenses in the country. Jerry DiNardo with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network, uh, camp season for coach at uh, Nebraska yesterday, Northwestern this morning. Uh, off to see uh, Coach Bielema and the Illini a little bit later. Last thought, Coach, my, my mother is over in Italy. Any uh, any restaurant recommendations, my friend? There is one that I have, and it's in Rome. I can't, I, I don't have it off hand, but I can sure as heck text, text it to you. But you know, interesting you bring that up, Chris. You know, I asked both Fitz uh, and Coach Frost if they regretted that the game was in Dublin and not Rome. And their answer? <laughs> well, Coach Frost, Coach Frost said he loves Rome. He's been there, and Fitz says. My name's Fitzgerald. I mean, what do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> put it, put it, uh, yeah, wherever. Uh, Rome would be cool in the uh, the old arena or Dublin. But, uh, no, text me that. My mom will be uh, in Rome sometime as uh, she's touring Italy, and, and I'll make sure uh, she gets Coach's recommendation. I'll do it. I'll do it. Take, take care, Coach. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. 
Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Edition, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel, back in his football office. We're uh, streaming live this morning on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. So if you got your mobile device handy, you can uh, see our smiling, beauty, beautiful faces. It's easier for me to say. Uh, we may hear or see a German Shepherd in the near future when she gets done doing her thing. Brandon Vogel is nodding and approving. Vogues, good morning, sir. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're going to be better in two seconds, uh, Elijah. Did, did you just get shocked, Elijah? Let's try. That. Is that better? Talk again, Vogues. I'm still doing well. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Uh, I don't hear Brandon. I don't hear Elijah. But you sound like you have 17 microphones, Cranack. Take two. Better now? Should we just reconnect on the phone here? Now I'm doing that. See, Vogue sounds like he's getting electrocuted, and that's not fun for anybody. Let's. uh, I am efforting. That's fine. Trying everything I can. (laughs) We're uh, we're we're (laughs) we're set up here. Uh, Weekend edition uh, kicked off. We have fumbled the snap, Cranack. We have fumbled the snap. Uh, but need, no, need we're to start we're, going under center, right? Or inside the five, hopefully we'll, we'll try one more time. Uh, you give me a thumbs up or throw something at the screen, Elijah, when you think we're ready for Vogue. Just, just try it. Okay. Vogue's, I yeah. like the hail varsity hat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is a fumbled snap. Uh, not ideal. We'll, we'll hope that Nebraska's 2022 season doesn't open that way. Uh, absolutely. What uh, what did uh, you take away from from Frosty yesterday? Did it uh, seem or feel just like a, no, a, a just another post practice, or did you read more into it just with what was said? Because a lot of things were touched on leadership for sure, 
uh, Whipple's running the show, and of course uh, the, the quarterback race with Casey's job to lose. Uh, I think the, the the most relevant piece of information there was the update on the on the quarterback situation. And you know, I think it's been it's been interesting how Nebraska has has played this. I didn't come into fall camp, which I guess I'll consider Big Ten media days as the start of that. Thinking this thing was necessarily settled. I mean, we could all look at it from afar, um, and you know, the coaches are looking from it up close, obviously, and say, "Well, that's your most experienced guy. That experience probably matters." So he was always the favorite but I thought I'd be a little bit closer. So it's, it's become interesting to me to kind of how Nebraska has played its hand here in saying from Big Ten media days, he has a leg up to we're two weeks in now and the coaches are saying he's the guy to beat. So, you know, that seems like a conscious choice uh, from my perspective of being like, we've got a league game in week one or week zero in this case. And we think it's important to establish who is going to take that first map and hopefully not fumble it like I did. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. And, yeah, it's it's really uh, important to, to kind of give some directives. You've got a big scrimmage this morning for Nebraska, and it's a chance to, to settle in or extend – some confidence in your in your position groups, uh, things that that I really kind of was intrigued by earlier in the week was uh, what we had a chance to see, just a, a little snippet and glimpse with, with the open practice with uh, Teddy Prohaska at left tackle and in in Turner Corker in it at left guard. Vogues, want to get your thoughts there on. Okay, it's not set in stone, and Frost said so as much yesterday that they're still mixing and matching guys at different spots. They'll need a swing tackle. They'll need a swing guard. They'll need backups. But if if, if it holds to form, if, 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 where you have Teddy and Turner with Hickson and then a Bando at right guard, and then you're able to uh, get Ben Hart to be where where you think he was going to be at this point when he came out of high school. How does that line grab you? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I still there's there's obviously a lot to prove from really all of those players, but on paper, that certainly looks like probably Nebraska's best five to me, and obviously we don't, you know, haven't seen some of those new additions yet for ourselves, or at least not a whole lot of them and how that all works, but if that's if that's the five, um, it kind of plays out to form, I think, when we knew that Corcoran was sort of the swing guy. So you've got three tackles, at least that's what they were coming out of high school, uh, who were among the three, well, who were among, the, I think, the seven most talented offensive linemen, period. Nebraska signed since 2011, based on their 24-7 composite rating. We haven't seen Ben Hart or Corcoran truly kind of get to that level, but they're obviously talented guys. And then Prohaska is not far behind them. Center and right guard, then, you've got two six-year seniors. And, again, I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that you're opening with a conference opponent again. And we didn't hear, you know, and it, situations are different year to year, of course. But I don't recall hearing a lot of talk about, hey, this is Illinois in week one. Uh, it's a different level. You're hearing that a lot now, and it's kind of stuck with me. Brandon Vogel's with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, now that we're a week through camp, the first scrimmage uh, of the fall camp being today, what what are some storylines you're 
uh, either expecting to hear or you want to hear out of the first scrimmage today, whether it be uh, Casey Thompson taking the first team reps or, or the offense looking better than expected. Uh, it, what is it that, that you're expecting to hear or I guess uh, hoping to hear from today? Yeah, I think from this first scrimmage, you know, one of the big pieces, and and we heard from the position coach this week, but running backs remains one of the most interesting. I don't know if it's a battle, but how that that all fits together with the the primary guys that are, they're going to use in the backfield, uh, that's one of the more interesting pieces. We we heard from Shenander on the first day of post practice availability. And, you know, we'll, we'll hear from him again next week, but it's, it feels like it's a bit a bit. I feel like we've had a little bit of a, a dearth of defense of, of late. And that's that's an interesting group, too, um, with with what they have to replace, with what they did to try and replace that. And you've got a really, really good linebacking core, but shuffling pieces at, at defensive line and in the secondary, obviously. So I'm actually pretty anxious and I don't know if a lot of this will come from the scrimmage necessarily, but I'm pretty anxious to hear about just where they think the defense is at and how some of those position battles are shaking out. It's uh, interesting with the, the, the secondary, we, we know that farmer and Newsom are guys that have had time and, and performed decently, but they're going to be asked to perform at a whole different level. The linebackers love hearing Coach Rude and his decisive win in the mustache poll earlier this week with Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, that poll was – I mean, it, the, he just ran the score up on Elijah, uh, quite frankly, whose mustache was better, uh, Barrett Rude's or, or Elijah Herbel's, and it was Rudy by uh, a landslide. And then we get to um, that depth right behind uh, Henrich, behind Reimer. And, Vogues, what's what's realistic for Ernest Hausman? What's realistic for Snodgrass? What's realistic for for Va? Um, we've heard a lot about Va, but do you like those bodies, those options behind two guys that combine for 200 tackles? Yeah, I mean, the development uh, or kind of the emergence of Maga Clemens, I think, is is a very good one for Nebraska. That one, you know, we're all kind of taking taking what we're told at, at face value at this stage because we haven't had the, that much opportunity to see it for ourselves. Uh, but that's a guy who's been in the program for for a while now. It's It's his time. So if that's truly how things are unfolding there, then good good news for Nebraska. Hausman, I think he's he's a really interesting prospect. He was a really interesting prospect coming out of high school, probably a little undervalued, maybe more than a little. Uh, and and you know we saw a player like Reimer uh, play right away as as a true freshman. You know primarily on special teams, but he was also playing in that that Ohio State game in 2020. You know the first game and and the most extreme circumstances probably uh, in terms of off the field stuff and just everything it took to get there that you're going to find. And he even kind of flashed there in, in a little bit. So I think Hausman has a chance to, to play um, and, and could be in the mix there. And, and Snodgrass is kind of in a similar boat. You know, he's a guy who's been in the program for a while too. They feel good about those, those top two guys. So Knowing that gives you a little bit of freedom to 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 really make an impact and in, in maybe a reduced number of snaps for some of those guys. And if they come in with that mindset, uh, you have a chance to to really bolster Nebraska's defense. You know, related to that, related to the linebacker spot is kind of that hybrid role that JoJo Doman played. Is it your sense that Nebraska will try to like was that more specific to Doman 
Or are they thinking that they are just going to do sort of a one-for-one switch with, say, a Javen Wright or Chris uh, Kolarovic? Yeah, I think it was a little specific to Doman. He had such a unique skill set and, you know, body type that somebody like Wright, you could see maybe that being a little bit more of a one-to-one transition for someone like Kolarovic. uh, wasn't. He was an inside linebacker last year, and he was a really good inside linebacker at Northern Illinois. So the fact that he's one of those guys in the mix at that nickel spot tells me they might be getting a little more specialized with what they're going to do at that position instead of having a, a guy like Doman out there who you just you don't want to take off the field ever. Uh, I, I expect them to mix and match there a little bit more. And they've got a ton of versatility at the outside linebacker spot that you know the edge rusher as is now officially listed on the uh on the roster so so that gets a little bit interesting too and i think they'll have some specialized situations where you may want a slightly bigger more linebackery type of nickel player uh versus a somebody who maybe looks more like a defensive back vogues does nebraska have the personnel to to dictate and have a matchup advantage with that that dreaded tight end or or running back matchup do they have a guy you think is going to be able to hold up against the run in the big 10 if iowa or wisconsin wants to, to spread the field a little bit but still go power wisconsin's known for running on throwing downs they do they love going out of the shotgun the pin and pull and they just they get nine on third and seven <laughs> running out of the shotgun nebraska's personnel do they have enough options to to hang against phone booth downhill run games but also transition and and cover against the purdue do you like the lineup on the defensive side of the ball yeah, I think so for the most part. I mean, with the number of linebackers we've just mentioned, you know, so far this morning, they've got a lot of options there. I think a lot of it depends on what happens on the on the defensive line. And you look at, you know, someone like Devin Drew, who's just arriving, how quickly can he get up to speed? And I, I, I'm not, like, super worried about that. I mean, the guy's played, played two seasons of Power 5 football elsewhere. Like, I think he'll be – be be there and be pretty ready to go maybe not full go by that first game uh just be an adjustment period um but can they can they be stout enough on the defensive line because holding up against a run game like wisconsin's etc really starts there now you know the the kind of third and seven uh shotgun run stuff that's where it gets a little bit tricky and that's where you you do have to worry i think a little bit about um, okay, it's third and seven. We're going to go with maybe our smaller nickel, nickel package, if that's how that ends up working out. Uh, and, and teams can exploit that. And a lot of that just comes down to to how good of a tackler are you? Um, can you can you read and react quickly? But they've got enough vet- veterans in that linebacker group that I think they they should be able to hold up. They should be in a pretty good spot. Mark, I cannot you, hear you. Are you, are you muted, muted, bud? Yeah. Tricky, guys. <laughs> uh, so, Brandon, a lot's been made about Donovan Rayola speaking of Wisconsin um, and how the offensive line is firing off the ball now as opposed to walling people off in more of a true zone scheme. 
from what you know, is that a little counter to say college football trends at large right now to where Nebraska is looking at it and saying, you know, while defenses have evolved to essentially be smaller and quicker and spread out, we think there's an opportunity to bring back some of that quote power football, probably a misuse of the term, but to be a little bit more physical and exploit that is, is Nebraska a bit of an outlier in their offensive line approach compared to other offensive lines at large in college football? I think, I think it could be um, on a large scale sense if, if that ends up, uh, and that's been the most consistent message we've heard throughout the season, fire off the ball, fire off the ball. Um, It could be a little bit because as, as offenses have evolved and you're going to run a lot of RPO stuff, um, a a lot of that necessitates kind of a zone scheme and every team has, has zone schemes and they're going to run that. Um, but a little bit more of just kind of straight ahead football when Nebraska does choose to run the ball. I, I would count that. Well, I would certainly count it as a change from, from where Nebraska has been. Um, and it probably stands out a little bit in college football as a whole. It may not stand out a ton in the Big Ten um, mm. because the Big Ten's just a little bit, uh, you know, it's not behind the times. They're just, I mean, if you're a Wisconsin and Iowa, a, a Northwestern, you know, kind of these straight ahead run games, even a Michigan State last year. Uh, with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, uh, you've got a ton of incentive to to just kind of keep doing it. If you're winning in this league doing it that way, um, you're probably going to be able to take that run game and have success against a bunch of different teams as well. Brandon Vogel's with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, the, those teams you listed off that have a real strong downhill running game, they got one thing in common and uh, that's that they all at some point in time, especially down near the goal line, are going to bring in a fullback. So my question to you, will we see a fullback in any way, shape or form this season on the field for Nebraska, whether it be a tight end coming into the backfield and, and leading the way? I mean, not necessarily the guy who's truly called a fullback on the roster, but do you think that that'll be a part of Mark Whipple's offense and, and Mark Whipple's run game? Yeah, good question. Um, now I'm trying to like process who that could even who that could even be. Like, maybe? I think what. What's that? Brewington, maybe Chancellor Brewington. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously saw them uh, kind of highlight him in a blocking role numerous times in, in goal line slash inside the five situations a year ago, uh, and he's he's proven his ability in that regard. I mean, I think that's part of. I think with where Whipple has come from, you could you could realistically say, yeah, maybe it is a tight end's role to slide in there and be your de facto fullback. I, if, if I felt a little bit better about the, the tight end depth at the moment, um, because, you know, you, you've got Vogelick, you've got Brewington, uh, you've got Hickman, uh, despite, you know, Brewington kind of showing his, you know, in those motions across the formation there, his ability to do that. He's not a guy that you put him in the backfield, people are going to think what's up. So I almost wonder if, you know, even at a slim down stage, if somebody like Yant isn't an option there. And of course, you know, you've got, uh, numerous walk-ons who, who potentially could could fill a role such as that as well. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what Nebraska does. I mean, it'll just be strange to see Nebraska if it gets under center inside the five. Uh, it's been a while since we've had that. Vogue's, uh Bill Bush spoke earlier this week, such a motivator, but uh, is placing a premium on excellence when it comes to special teams. Uh, a, could you have played special teams for, for Bill Bush? 
B, um, where would you have wanted to play? Could you have been as good as Ramir Johnson's been this camp? Um, okay. Um, well, I wouldn't have been good enough to play special teams for Bill Bush. Would I have been willing? Uh, would I have been receptive to that approach? I think I would have. I really liked what he had to say about, about Ramir Johnson. You know, and, and I think that's the attitude Nebraska has probably been missing and needs to have on special teams. So you take a guy who used to get the ball uh, occasionally on special teams and say, I'm moving you up here, and it's because you're a dude. Like, this is a promotion. And for those of us, myself included, who, you know, aren't – for me, special teams is punting, kicking. It's the most obvious part you can see in the return game. Everything else that happens out there is important – you just don't get it. I mean, you literally don't see it on the TV if you're watching the game on TV. Um, so that said, I'm kind of a prima donna. I need the ball in my hands to to fully <laughs> maximize my talents. So I'd say I decline your promotion. I'll stay back here and I'll get you two touchdowns. You know, related to that, he had mentioned uh, he had mentioned that Anthony Grant is uh, you know if they had to go out and play today, he's the kick returner. And you're kind of hearing similar things at, at running back where he appears to have really made an impression on, on everybody. Um, your take on Grant and whether or not he can be that bell cow, and do you agree that it seems like they're sort of counting on him to do that? They want to get the ball in his hands in as many ways as possible. Yeah, it's it's been a, so far an, an impressive fall camp for him. And, you know, I think back to the spring game and I think back to what I thought after watching that spring game live. He had the best play in that game, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. the, the run that he had and the cut that he made to, like, bounce that outside. And I know they weren't tackling at that point, and et cetera, et cetera. But that was – it just kind of leapt off the screen for me. Uh, when that happened and going back and rewatching it again as some of this talk has bubbled up around Grant. I'm like, okay, I could I could see that. And and adding him in on kickoff return. You know, kickoff return is it's becoming a pretty thankless job because with moving kickups off, uh, so many of them are just automatic touchbacks. Like you don't even mess with it. Like you have to be really discerning. You have to want to be good, I think, at kickoff return if you're that return guy and the fact that Anthony Grant is there tells me not just that he's talented and quick and can see the field, but he has that judgment that Bill Bush is, Bill Bush is looking for, because that's, that's another, I think, change slash advantage of having somebody like Bush in, in that spot is, you know, or at least I feel like the standard has already been set pretty high. And if you're not going to get it done, if you're like me, uh, if you're just back there trying to, to get touchdowns and, you know, every every 90% of returns come out to the 17, but, but maybe you do take two into opposing territory, well, that's not going to cut it in this in this uh, this regime, I don't think. Vogues, uh, a thought. What, what's ideal? And you're, you're big on field position. You've done a lot of research, and you've written quite a bit, and it, it, it's important. Last night, you got home from the Hale Varsity Club, and it was Nebraska night that morphed into to Michigan State night, all right, on BTN. So I'm watching TV. I see uh, Nebraska uh, donkey punch stoops in, in Oklahoma. Great. Remember 2001. Then it fast-forwards into the 2014 thriller where Nebraska is getting curb-stomped, and then they have a chance to win it at the end where a defense plays pretty lights out. 
and forces three turnovers. Tommy Armstrong's just not in rhythm until he finally gets hot. Hits a couple passes at the end, and Nebraska's got a chance to, to handle it. And, and that game was fa- just fascinating to watch from a sense of Sadler and Fultzy, two, two, uh, two greats that, are, that have, are, are gone too soon, pinning each other's offense inside the five. <laughs> and and it was just a mess for both offenses, a lot of possessions. When we talk about starting field position, refresh for me what's normal and what's a good goal for Nebraska so it's not having to drive 80 uh, or, or, or 75. Uh, look how Iowa's won the last few against Nebraska where their starting field position's been in the second half. I mean, it all adds up is, I guess, what I'm, what I'm asking. What's, what's a good goal here moving forward? Yeah, so I haven't looked recently enough to to feel like there I have any specifics on where teams were a year ago, but generally like if all season, so kickoffs, punts, every drive you have, like if you end up averaging like at the 30-yard line at your own 30-yard line, so 70 yards to go, you're going to be in a pretty decent spot. I think most years Nebraska has been Nebraska under Frost has been around 72 yards to go 77 so Mm -hmm. you know the 28 yard line a team like iowa is consistently like at the 32 or the 33 so i mean really like you know so you're talking about nebraska which has been in bad shape you're talking about iowa which has been in very good shape uh out of necessity but you're just talking about large sample sizes too so like two, three yards make a big difference if you average that out over the course of you got 13, 14 drives a game times 12, you know, you're talking 150 instances where you, you have four or five less yards to go um, in, in the case of a Nebraska compared to an Iowa. So Nebraska ends up around the, the 30 on average at the end of the year. I would think they'd be in a pretty good spot. Anything more than that or anything less than that, uh, which would be better field position, They'd be in a really good spot. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see how many of the desirable or plush field position starts Nebraska's capitalized on over the years, whereas, where they've not had their heels pinned back, but they're actually starting at their own 40 or midfield, or God forbid you get a return into someone else's territory. Uh, versus allowing a return into someone else's territory or a house call just to see how that hit rate is. Brandon Vogel's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, managing editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogel's last thought, what do you think about Kathy, Kathy, Kathy to Texas, that transfer? Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, strange strange and unfortunate situation there, I think, for, for everyone involved because, you know, Nebraska obviously had a really good player who through whatever, I still don't know if I've totally sorted through what exactly happened there, and maybe it'll never happen. Um, but as, as Jacob Padilla said uh, when that news came, he's like, it was the only way this could end. Uh, of course she ended up in Texas. Uh, <laughs> I haven't looked at Texas's roster recently to know if that's a particular hole for them to fill. It's even worse if it's not. They're like, yeah, we'll take her uh, just to, to spite Nebraska. Um, but good for her. It's obviously a, a really good spot uh, for, for her to make an impact and be on a team that 
is as much in the national title chase every year as as nebraska is so happy for for kayla uh smarts a little bit though if you're a nebraska volleyball fan well especially because an assistant coach down at texas is jordan larson are you you sit there and you go man how are you going to come and steal our players jordan yeah that that one that adds a little a little salt to the wound and you know (laughs) with uh akana there as well i mean Mm -hmm. kathy and akana were two really really good players who were really really important to nebraska's season last year and uh and now they're down on on the 40 acres so Mm -hmm. tough tough breaks but that's okay we'll get the game we'll get the matches started and everyone will be able to to focus on that Bogues, have a good weekend, bud. We'll uh, get caught up next week and talk some more ball. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. A six-game homestand against St. Paul is upcoming, and it all begins on August 2nd. That night is free on the green, which means free berm tickets if you show your FNBO card. The following night is library night, and we're whispering because you can't talk loud in the library, which is why I avoid libraries. Dollar Beer Night is August 4th, and that's also Military Appreciation Night, two of my favorite things. You'll see patriotic jerseys and a whole lot of Budweiser. Nothing more American than that. The weekend slate includes fireworks on Friday night, camo jerseys with an in-game jersey auction on Saturday, and a family fun day on Sunday, which includes Bark in the Park, canned food for tickets, and kids running the bases after the game. Get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back in, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, uh, back in studio. Mark Cranach from his home studio as well. And uh, it's pretty funny to see this text thread going on. Vogue's putting his hand up in the meeting room saying, you know, the stream yard mishap, my bad. Yeah, where we couldn't hear his audio. Yeah, and, and God love Vogues for, for being accountable. And, Cranach, you um, you chime in. And uh, you offer the encouragement. Well, as long as you make mistakes at 100 miles per hour. <laughs> I mean, at this stage, it's okay. And, and uh, no fear of failure, right? So that's going to really ring true for Frost this year. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's well, you're, you're kind of practicing what you preach now, aren't you? With if you truly have no fear, you're you're secure enough to make changes to your staff. Mm-hmm. Guys that helped you get the power five gig. You've made those changes. You've brought in people, some you know and some you don't know. And then now you're in full delegation mode while trying to be a CEO and oversee, which your thrill in football's been, let's design some really awesome plays and some schemes and go put up half a hundred on somebody. That's the ultimate in... 
yeah, uh, I'm really showing no fear because I'm putting my trust in the hands of, of a collective group, a, a group on the offensive side of the ball I've not ever worked with. You know, one other thing I'm interested in seeing this year, knowing that he's not going to be so heavily involved in like down and distance and formations and all those sorts of things. If he is going to be able to step back a little bit and, you know, chime into Whipple from time to time about just like keep it on the ground. Right. Let's take a shot like things like that rather than right. 48 X, Y stick, you know, on three and, and like worrying about personnel and all those things, but more like general game management situations. <clears throat> like does Nebraska get better at that? Does Nebraska get better at managing the clock? Because again, you have this free set of eyes and frost where he's looking at the game as a whole. He's looking at momentum. He's looking at the balance of offense versus defense and whether or not folks are, are too tired. Um, you know, who's fresh, who's not, that could stand to benefit Nebraska too, as much as just getting somebody else coming in to run the offense specifically. Like, yeah, that could have its own benefits. But bigger than that could be Frost looking at the game as a whole and saying, Mm -hmm. you know what? All right, we got 38 seconds left. All right, we're going to get a timeout here. And he's just focused on things like that rather than specific formations and calls and plays. Let's uh, welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with us. Sharpie, how's uh, the weekend, bud? Thanks for the time. Hey, good morning, guys. Hard to believe now three weeks uh, away before I'm talking to you guys in Ireland. That's right. Are Absolutely. you going, Gary? I am not going. I will, uh, I will live vicariously through both of you clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Capital C. On yeah. the clowns part. But, yeah, Gray and I, and I were doing the old uh, group text with uh, our old boy Ted that's over in Ireland and trying to get the I's dotted, T's crossed, and some of that happening with this scrimmage this morning, Sharpie. Uh, a take from you on, well, the, the week that's been. Uh, we've had plenty of coaches. We've had plenty of players. And we had the head man yesterday uh, talking quarterbacks. What would you think? Well, first, uh, first and foremost, uh, I know it's going to be brutally hot today. Uh, it's supposed to be 65 at kickoff in Dublin in three weeks. So just hold on for, for that temp for a football game. Um, you know, this week is, I, I think camp has gone probably according to plan. You know, when you listen to coaches, I try and pick out players that are unsolicited that are brought up. Um, maybe unsolicited or... You know, they've, a coach sees an opening, so he mentions a guy that has really shown out, like a Barrett Rude mentioning Ernest Hausman um, the other day. You know, I, I think I listened closely to those. I think this camp has gone as to be expected. You know, um, the word tense has been used, a sense of urgency, a sense of purpose, business-like. I thought, I thought Scott yesterday, you know, give him credit. He was pretty open. I mean, he talked about Casey Thompson's injury. He talked that, you know, that, his core, that Casey Thompson is, you know, right now number one. He's been kind of shy to do that of late. Um, I thought Scott felt com- looked comfortable yesterday. But you know what? It's been a camp. Knock on wood. They haven't had any injuries. And today will tell a lot. You know, the game speeds up a little bit. There's hitting involved. And there's going to be a crowd. This is, it's, a, it's interesting note of the scrimmage today is that this is the day that they welcome all the players, former players, back to watch practice. Mm. So it's not like they're going through a half pad 
or shells practice or in their underwear, they are going full go, first scrimmage, and maybe the most important scrimmage of fall camp. And they've got an audience of former players that are going to be there. So I'll be interested to, to hear some of the, the insights on what the atmosphere was like, the intensity. Um, but first and foremost, no injuries, and it sounds like they're making progress. But the same things we won't know still exist for three weeks is offensive line and safety. But I will tell you that I've heard great reports. This has been a great start to the camp for Tommy Hill. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's a name I haven't heard a ton about yet. So that's quality and very good athlete, obviously, the transfer from Arizona State. Um, Gary, I know in this line of work, you get the questions year rounds, right? Like, give me your prediction. What's going to happen this year? Right? Just, I, mean, I just do the weekend show and I get it all the time. I can't even imagine what you get or what Chris gets. Um, it's got to be a daily thing. And when we were talking earlier today, it was just like, it, it is so it's so hard to predict anyways. I think it's impossible to predict this year when you consider got an offensive coordinator from Pitt. You got a quarterback from Texas. Your top receiver targets from LSU. Your top running back is a JUCO guy. Melding all that together and trying to formulate how that's going to go is, I mean, it's ridiculous. That said, what's your prediction, Gary? How does <laughs> well, that all work I'm, out? <laughs> I'm, I'm below the win total. I think jumping from three to seven is pretty impressive. But you're right, Mark. I mean, I, I've dubbed them the most interesting team in college football because of what's on the line in year five with who's in charge of the program, what happened in the offseason, all of the new players that came in, the new faces that could be your best players, and then blending the coaching staff. Oh, by the way, the defensive side, where I really like Eric Chenander. I think Eric Chenander has got a good culture going on that side of the ball, but they have to replace some really good players. I think they're the most interesting team because of all of these things that have to come together. And that's why it's fascinating to see what's going to happen here in three weeks is what does it look like? Whatever Nebraska's doing between now and then, their number one goal is to beat Northwestern by one point. They have to win that football game. They have to find a way to win that football game. Because if you're going to instill confidence and belief in coaches, players, fan base, media, local, national, you go and you win a football game like that that is kind of quirky. And for the first time, really since Scott has begun, where everything appears to be weird to begin a season, whether it's year one or year five, you're able to overcome those challenges and win a game, regardless if it's a team you beat 56-7 to last year and are projected to the bottom of the, the Big Ten. You need to win those football games. So, yes, they're an interesting team. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why I don't think the word dread of the opener should be used. I think it's anticipation and very much interesting and intrigued on what's going to happen. But I think, this is a, I think seven wins is attainable. But gosh, if you press me, then we got to do the math on when you're going to get those seven and what the first month and the last month look like, which I think are the two important months for the health of this program. Gary, we had uh, Jerry DiNardo on the show yesterday. We just heard from him in the Rewind segment. And from his time going to practice both North Nebraska and Northwestern, 
Uh, he said thinks it's going to be a hard-fought game and went as far as to say he thinks this one's going to come down to the final play of the game. It's going to be exciting. And I, I want to get your take. If Nebraska were to beat Northwestern in the final play of the game, what would that do to, to your opinion on Nebraska hitting this win total in 2022? Does it give you confidence that they've oh they've, they've won a one-score game, or does it you know make you a little bit nervous that, well, this Northwestern team might not be the, the, the top of the pack in the Big Ten West this season, and uh, they took Nebraska down to the final play? Well, which side of the coin are you on there? Well, first of all, when I saw the line that started at 9.5 and, and now it's 12, 12.5 somewhere else, that's way too high. All that matters for the opening game, because it's quirky, is to win the football game. Find a way to win the football game. Now, you want to have a tension convention in the state of Nebraska. Get to the middle of the fourth quarter or late in the fourth quarter, and it's a one-score game or the game is tied. That's where the attention to detail benefits you in the end that has been a point of emphasis since last December is a guy like Bill Bush, who feels really good about team Timmy Bleakroyd, Road that he'll come in and kick that field goal. Uh, you know, I think it's just we don't know what's going to happen. We think we do. But let's be honest, guys. I, I bet there's some coaches that are also wondering the same questions that we are. What's going to happen when we get into crunch time again? Either the new guys, what they do, or guys that have been here before going, uh-oh, here we go again. Or they say, uh-uh, we're not doing this again. That's the total question, right? You're going to be in close games. You're going to be in uh, situations that you've been in the last several years, Sharpie, with the Big Ten and tight ball games. And how do you respond? How do you react? Do you have a guy that can go make a play or, or stop a momentum-draining play or big play? I mean, that's, that's what it's about. It's a culmination of, of a lot of things. And can Nebraska just be different and better this season with new faces and voices and players. I want to talk about uh, the quarterback, Casey Thompson. Uh, Frost said what he said yesterday. Casey's obviously feeling a little bit better with that thumb. When it comes to chemistry, though, uh, what uh, what are you hearing? How How's that aspect of him in Lincoln going uh, when it comes to, yeah, the talent and the experience, check mark, check mark? When it comes to, to the other 10 he's playing with, how's, how's that, uh, that work in progress coming? He's a quarterback. I, I don't think it's, oh, my gosh, I love Casey, man. We're going out. We're doing all this. Um, I'm not getting that vibe, um, but I'm getting the vibe of he's a quarterback, and he's running the show, and we need the quarterback along with 10 other guys on the offense mm-hmm. to be good for us to have success. Um, you know, I mean, Casey is a, quote, unquote, professional quarterback. He's been around the block. As we get closer to the season, we're not really talking about, oh, my gosh, Casey Thompson's got to do blank. We're kind of, Casey Thompson needs to avoid this. Now, I think Nebraska will cut down greatly on their turnovers. I can't tell you about the penalties. But is Casey Thompson, guys, going to be a game manager? Or is he going to be a game changer? Or is he somewhere in between? Or does he benefit from an offensive coordinator that will play to his strengths and can he keep plays alive somehow if that offensive line breaks down? Because that's the thing that is still in play is, can that offensive line protect a quarterback who will not have the leg ability to keep plays alive like your previous quarterback did? And they both have similar passing percentages when under pressure. So this is all going back to a previous question. It's all going to have to meld together on how to figure out to play away from your weaknesses and play to your strengths. But I don't think... Casey will throw the ball away unnecessarily. I think they will cut down on turnovers. I think they will have more of a quick game. 
But the bottom line, to make Casey Thompson look good, handing the ball off with his success over and over and over again will make Casey Thompson look like a really good quarterback. He had B. John Robinson last year that he was able to do that to for. He doesn't have B. John Robinson this year. He's at Texas going for the Heisman. So I, I will be curious to see how he operates, but I don't think Mark Whipple will put him in bad situations. Go ahead, Cranach. <laughs> Uh, well, Elijah's saying we got a break. Yeah, we, we got to go. Time for us to get out. Yeah, yeah. we got to go already. Yeah, exactly. That's why I, I left Gary hanging there. I was going to ask you a great question, but I can't because Elijah says Man. we have to break. No. Yeah. Till next time. That's the, that's a hell of a. This second hour has been a bad second half. At least <laughs> we fumbled hey, the goal hey, goal line a couple we, of times. We don't we don't need Champagne Urbana second hour hail <laughs> We just need Champagne Sharpie. We love you, brother. We'll catch up. Okay. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend and stay uh, stay cool. We'll do, yeah, but there he is. We'll talk well. to you on Monday with Hail Varsity. Like what you hear. High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. A Huda Media Production.